Are you ready to overcome the complexities and burdens that come with your success? Join the team at Centura Wealth Advisory in the Live Life Liberated podcast. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Live Life Liberated podcast. I'm Wendy McConnell. Today, we have Kyle Malmstrom and Sean Clark. Hello, guys. Hi, Wendy. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. You guys are in a mood today, too. I've just got to give a little warning, okay? That's right. Some tomfoolery. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. That's right. What what are we talking about, guys? Today we're talking about planning. You know, we do a lot of planning around here, and we just (laughs) felt like today would be a good day to get into the ins and outs of planning and how our planning is a little different from everyone else's. Okay. And, And... just we'll just dive right into it if you don't mind. Give me the plan. That's right, Sean. How you doing today, bud? Doing great. Bright, sunny, hot Friday here in San Diego. That's right. So to help our audience out here a little bit, because one thing that is a personal pet peeve of mine is listening to a podcast that doesn't get right to the point. So let's get right to the point. Nice. The who is this podcast really designed for? Who do we really intend to serve? Yeah, to get. Just frank about it, people with uh, a tax problem. And tax problem, we quantify as someone who really makes more than about $2 million in income or has $20 million or more in net worth. Those tend to be the fact patterns where tax pain arises to the point where we can do something about it and really provide some uh, significant savings for people. So if that's you, listen up. If it's not, uh, this podcast might not be specifically for you. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's Typically, the people we can create the most value for have tax problems that continue on for more than you know one year. It's an ongoing thing. Then they have added complexity. So people that have really straightforward estates and you're doing marginal tax bracket analysis and things like that, that's not really what we're talking about today. And it's not because we can't really do anything about it. It's because the cost of our services and the time isn't really worth the value we can provide. So who we choose to focus on is those we can provide exponential value for. And uh, we're pretty selective about that, but we'll get into that. Okay. So our ideal client, you kind of hit on the $2 million and $20 million in net worth and complexity. We also talk about money and motion events. You want to explain what that is? Sure. So typically we, we say it's the four Ds. So that could be death, divorce, or disposition of either uh, business or real estate. And those tend to be the kind of either wealth transfer type events or tax events that create the need, both from complexity and just maybe uncertainty uh, for our services. And that's where really where we can provide a lot of value. So anytime there's those one of those four money in motion events, death, divorce, or disposition of an asset, whether it be a business, privately held business, or piece of real estate. Yeah, there's an opportunity to pay a lot of tax and an opportunity to save a lot of tax. So that's right. That's where we get in. So planning on that, uh, what's an ideal, you know, from a time onset standpoint, what's a good time frame to get started? It depends. So uh, if we take you know a business owner as an example, we have three kind of periods. We call it gold, silver, and bronze. And gold is the early on. That's before you've received any LOIs or anything like that on the business. The silver period would be from when you receive an LOI up to the end of the year. And then the bronze period would be after the end of the year up until you file your taxes. So in the gold period, we can do tons of stuff for business owners. We can provide significant savings, maybe 50 to 80% of what they would otherwise pay in taxes. If it's in the silver period, maybe that's more like 30 to 50%. And if it's in the bronze, it's more like 20%. 
if we can even do do much at all. So for a business owner, the gold period, you know, depends depending on the time of your sale. But we typically work with people that are going to sell in the next 12 to 36 months so that we can prepare things on their side to maximize, you know, the net pass through of the assets and the wealth from that transaction. So it differs a little bit with real estate. As an example, if you're going to do a 1031 transaction, there's a specific timeline for that. It's 180 days. You've got 45 days up front to identify it. So it depends a little bit on facts and circumstances and what you're kind of doing and what the disposition is. But uh, time frame is definitely unique to each individual. And where there's some urgency, uh, that's where we should probably get involved. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking about doing some planning. And if you're thinking about doing planning, Getting started and having conversations sooner is always better than later. 100%. The worst conversation is, hey, I was told to call you and I just signed my LOI yesterday. Uh, what can I do? Well, you could have talked to us six months ago. That would have been a better effect. It's like the endless summer movie. You, know, you really should have been here yesterday. That's right. Okay. How much money are we talking about in terms of tax savings? Like- well, so uh, we're not the cheapest shop in town by any means. We have qualified expertise and we spend time and really dig into things. So if we're going to take on a case, we're going to provide 10x type value or more. So what that means is whatever the cost is to you, you're going to save 10 times that in tax savings or more through the transactions and um, strategies that we work with you on. And if we can't do that, we're probably going to recommend us as not being the right shop or maybe reevaluating the timing around it because maybe you're not selling a business today, but you will in the future or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it, um, you know, it could be six, seven, eight, nine figures, right? I mean, it's big numbers. Yeah. Big numbers that are meaningful. So some people just hate paying the IRS at all. And there's that group of people. And then there's other people like, Hey, this is a really meaningful sum of money. Yeah. And why would I, throw away seven figures when I don't have to. I mean, it's a hundred grand for our services, right? Kind of on the minimum end. So you're looking to save at least a million dollars or more to engage us. So, you know, if we can't provide that kind of value, uh, we'll, we'll probably maybe give you some recommendations or something like that, but we were probably not going to dig in and really do the full scope of our planning services. Um, we're really looking for those people where we can add, you know, exponential value. So let's talk about that because some big numbers flying around. Are we worth it? A lot of financial planners say, hey, I do holistic planning. That's the common buzzword, right? Every web page you go to says it. So what makes this different? It's a good question. And what I would say is that we call it above the line planning. And we focus on income tax and wealth transfer and balance sheet optimization. You've probably heard us say those things and if you've listened to any of these podcasts. But being able to save people money on income taxes is unique. Uh, wealth transfer is also another area, but really on income taxes. And the reason being is because capital gains rates are low today. And a lot of advisors will uh, do some basic kind of planning, some simple stuff where they don't need to really be experts on any one section of the tax code or any one strategy or anything like that. They can kind of give some general recommendations, get some decent results, pay some tax, invest the money. And that tends to be the way uh, that most advisors do it, at least in my experience. Where we come in is we really, you know, evaluate things down to uh, a really detailed level. We get facts, assumptions, and goals, and we try to understand what's unique and specific to the client. And just as a kind of a case in point, we work with a lot of clients who have teams of other advisors, and those advisors have not done this type of work for them. Uh, If they did this work, they would have done it. And these are highly qualified, you know, experienced advisors. So 
the work we do is really forward-looking consulting on tax planning, and that could be income tax or wealth transfer. And there's lots of nuance and details that go into it. We geek out on this stuff. We keep abreast of all the tax code and potential legislation. We keep, you know, we talk for fun with all the uh, lawyers and CPAs that do that kind of stuff. So uh, we're really nerds about this kind of thing, and we love it. Other advisors, you know, some are, but many of them aren't necessarily focused on this and only this. And I think that's what's unique about us. We're really specialized in our services and approach, and we're highly focused and almost obsessed with uh, these areas of income tax planning, wealth transfer, and what I'll call balance sheet optimization, which is making sure that everything across the balance sheet assets and liabilities are all managed properly, titled properly, optimized in terms of rates and returns and all that kind of stuff. So, Yeah, I would, um, you're either into this stuff or you're not, I think is what you were just saying there. And I think you eloquently put it. And you're either a problem solver or you're not, or you're a relationship manager. Uh, you know, if your current advisor is just going to refer you over to an estate planning attorney, totally different experience. Not what we do here at all. So we, you know, I've read hundreds and hundreds of trusts, looked at hundreds and hundreds of tax returns, built tons of entity charts and collaborated with everybody, got everybody on the same page. And that in itself is a fraction of the problem, right? Just getting everyone on the same page is hard. Exactly, organization, yeah. yeah. And so the how do we help clients evaluate whether or not their current team is the right team and when they should augment it or when they should hire us, right? Because you get someone that, well, you know, can you talk to my CPA? And, you know, I've talked to some people. It doesn't feel right. I don't feel like I'm doing enough. They do my tax return, but... And then, yeah, it's a good question. And if you have a working relationship with professionals, we always like to start there. Uh, what we typically do, our process is to understand you, we interview you, go through a discovery process. And they all say that, John. I understand. But once we get that information, we then bring in those professionals and ask them for their opinion. We bring them in on the process with us. We give them all the information we have. We're fully transparent everything we've discovered, we offer them our ideas, we tell them what we're thinking, and then we ask for their feedback, insight, expertise, those kinds of things. And we find different stuff. Sometimes the professionals are well-versed in it, they can dig in, they can add, you know, accretive ideas and that kind of a thing. And that's an indicator of a, a professional that is likely qualified to work on this type of a transaction, someone we can partner with, that kind of a thing. Uh, if they don't have any expertise in a particular area, or they're not willing to really learn a new area or something like that. Sometimes they'll say that, other times they won't be as direct with it, but it can become self-evident at that point that that professional is maybe not qualified to work on this type of a transaction and may need to be augmented. So uh, we have lots of professionals that we've worked with on various you know, aspects of transactions. And so depending on what the unique circumstances are, it might be a very specific strategy that has a court case that we need a person who's very well versed in to kind of be that professional and you know your your current professional may not be able to to serve in that role so uh, it just depends a little bit but we like to bring those professionals in see if they can serve in that capacity uh, and are willing to enable and all that kind of stuff and if not then we have a bench of people that we can augment with and those professionals i believe if they haven't done it they're more than happy to bring somebody in that knows what they're doing. Yeah. 
right? Let's not I mean, have them learn on you, right? Yeah, they don't. You, these aren't garage band type strategies. You don't want to try to save a few nickels and hire somebody that hasn't done it. It's technical work. It's very technical work sometimes, yep. and you got to get it right. And if you don't get it right, you're going to face some issues. So you want the people that have done it a bunch of times that know what they're talking about. And so and look on the, so we have 50 plus ideas. We're always strategies, strategies yeah. right? not ideas. Thank you. And we're always adding to that. We're trying to add. So real quick, you know, we were just talking this morning about a couple ideas that we're looking at. What are we looking at? Yeah. So like, you know, we, as Kyle mentioned, we have over 50 planning strategies that we uh, use or employ today. And there's many that we've disqualified, you know, things that we've looked at over the years. Um, some we liked yep. at some point and then changed and things like that. So uh, we always kind of have a diligence process for what we're looking at. This year, we ha- um, so a couple new strategies we're looking at is solar tax credits as well as equipment leasing strategies. So these are things that would be unique, kind of current year um, abilities to shield both some passive and active sources of income. And these are not really game-changing type strategies. These are more marginal. So if we ranked, you know, five strategies for a particular client, this wouldn't necessarily be number yeah. one or two. It's four or five. But these are little things that we're always looking to do to kind of add to it. So those are two that we're kind of uh, vetting and really going through the different sponsors, providers, structures, and kind of really understanding all the mechanics and subtle details related to it, both from a economic standpoint, but also from a you know, tax standpoint in terms of the code, potential legislation, how it works in terms of your overall balance sheet and needs and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we really dig in on this stuff. Like I mentioned earlier, we kind of geek out on it, but we love it. And once we feel like we have a great understanding of something, understand where it works and how it serves and how to ultimately work with the professionals to implement it, that's where we can start to get behind strategies and recommend them for individuals that meet the fact patterns where they're applicable. So I didn't pick those two strategies because they're the sexiest strategies. I picked those two strategies because those are things that we're currently doing diligence on. Correct. And you hit upon some of the diligence aspect of it. And I want to talk about that because these strategies, like anybody can go to a presentation by anybody, hear a strategy and decide to go implement it. And you might get yourself in a whole bunch of hot water doing the wrong thing. Yep. And so for our team, I guess so we we start off as a cynical bunch for one, right? We you know trust and verify is what, sure. we, what we say around here, uh, and so let's just chat about the diligence process. You know what what it does go into a planning strategy diligence process. Yeah, there's there's a lot that goes into it. Like I mentioned, we we want to understand the economics, how it moves, how it acts, how it behaves financially, and then we want to understand all the things that could go wrong with it. Right. All the ways to tweak it, bend it, make it better. Uh, we want to understand who it's right for, who it's not right for. And all of that just is uh, research and analysis and those kinds of things. And I can give you an example. I had a client who brought to me a solar investment and they said, hey, this looks like a great strategy, solar tax credits, you know, all this kind of stuff. And there's some details when you get into that stuff. There's active versus passive participation, right? There's material participation requirements, et cetera. And some of the information that he had gotten maybe a little bit misleading, maybe a little bit salesy, if you will. You know, we have good understanding of this area and some of those details and the partners and, you know, professionals that we've partnered with to help us understand these details led us to kind of having a intelligent conversation with this person around, hey, this is what the landscape looks like. This is the stuff that's out there. But 
before we're going to recommend anything, we want to dig into it. Uh, we showed him another path that he could potentially access what he wanted to do without having to go that route. And at that point, it's just like an investment or anything like that. We really need to dig in on the specific strategies to get behind one or two that we might recommend. So sometimes clients are interested in things that we're aware of and looking at, and we're yep. not just looking to say, yeah, that's a good idea. You can save some money on taxes, do it. Uh, we really want to make sure it's the right solution, that it's not going to go wrong if it ends up in um, a contested area that we've got the right defense and backdrop around it to defend that and all those kinds of details. So it's not as simple as just pick the strategy that works, go ahead and do it. There's things, conservation easements, charitable LLCs, right? Uh, micro captives, the IRS puts out a dirty dozen list each year of different stuff that's out there. And sometimes there's ways to do those strategies properly. And sometimes there's ways to do them improperly. Um, they aren't all created equal. And I think it's really important to go through the exercise of modeling things out, digging through all the qualitative and quantitative aspects of everything, and then interviewing qualified professionals who are experts in these spaces. And once we've done that and have a good understanding, then we feel like we're qualified to understand where it might fit for a client and where it might not. Yeah, the the totally agree with all that. The additionally with the actual technical aspect of it and the economics and functionally how it works something you hit upon there that I kind of want to elaborate on is, is the sponsor itself, right? Because seller tax credits have a sponsor, easements have sponsors, right? All these different things have sponsors or, and or custodians, which is a, you know, mm -hmm. and so the question is, Hey, are your current advisors digging in on this stuff? Are they taking things at face value and putting it to play, putting it to work and they're pushing uh, the recommendation out to the CPA who doesn't really get it either. And then, Lo and behold, you find yourself, you know, hung up, snagged a couple of years from now. Yep. So on the custodian side, you had again another case you're working on on the custodian side, which again is so unique for the approach to what we're doing relative to, I think everybody else. Yeah. If you just hit upon that. Yeah, the fact pattern in this case is very unique. The solution is customized and one-off. And uh, what's important here is integration of the tax planning design, being the structures and, and things like that, as well as the portfolio, uh, the mechanics of, of recognizing tax and things of that nature. And so in order to blend those things together seamlessly, where those assets are custodied is very important. And there's there's several reasons for that. It could be uh, the cost of capital. It could be the borrowing capacity of the uh, the counterpart. There's all different things that go into it. But at the end of the day, there's differences, right? They both say, hey, we can do this, or six firms say we can do this. And as you start digging into it, there's differences in pricing. There's differences in flexibility. There's differences in responsiveness. Execution. Execution. What's passed on to the client versus what's absorbed by the firm, right? There's all kinds of different stuff that goes into this. And as you start pulling back the layers, you realize, hey, this, they aren't all created equal. And there's often a clear winner where it feels like, hey, you know what, this this firm or the shop or the sponsor, or whatever custodian is on the same side of the fence as me. They've got, you know, my best interests in mind, at least relative to everybody else that we've looked at. And that can give us confidence in recommending uh, a partner or custodian. In this case, it could give the client confidence in going through that. But in this particular case, the client uh, realized that, you know, the current custodian that he had, he thought could do many things, realized couldn't do it was you know shown other custodians that could 
and uh, ultimately, you know, decided that that was more valuable for what he was looking for. So you like doing this stuff, don't you? I love it. <laughs> I can tell you're pretty into it. That's what I'm I. You well, love it or you don't, right? And that's yeah. kind of back to your point earlier. You either live and breathe this stuff or you just pretend. But how long does it take to do planning? To do it right takes a long time. You know, it's uh, it depends on facts and circumstances and all that, but it takes 12 to 18 months, I would say, to on average, probably to get our arms around all the facts and circumstances and what's going on and start putting things in place. And then it could take years, maybe three, five, six years to really extract all the results from well, that. Well, I think it's important people didn't get here overnight. We're not going to solve it overnight. Correct. Right. We're going to pick the top three things. Can we get transactions done in a couple of weeks? We can. If there's something that we need to do that's highest priority, yeah, that's got you know a lot of um, a lot of meat on the bone. Yeah, well, let's attack it and go coordinate and let's get it done. Yeah, we got people engaging us yeah. right now to get stuff done before the end of the year, and we're not going to fully have their entire thing done for another year or two. But yeah, but oftentimes, off, you know, the people that are listening to this don't have the right team, most likely, in my guess. And so they don't, you know, the people that do have the right teams, they're not going to listen to this because they're already set up. Right. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that need this type of help that have come into wealth in the last couple of years and their team, they've outgrown the team that they have. And so, you know, like what you were saying, it can take some time. We do like to prioritize, hey, here are the top three to five things we want to try to get done this year, even though there could be a dozen things to do. Let's try to figure out how we're going to get them done, move them forward to, you know, DQ them if we have to, but let's start making headway. And oftentimes to your point, John, is it does take some time to get to understand the nuance and do the research and, you know, find the right supporting PLRs or whatever it is that we need to do to support the facts. Yep. One thing we didn't really mention was the combination of strategies and how that plays into it, because my sense would be having been in the business for a long time, that people see the acronyms of some of these strategies and they compartmentalize them as something that they should do and they can kind of do as a one-off having not really evaluated the impact of that relative to everything else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think our process is... It's not a la carte, right? We, we want it. We have 50 plus strategies that we employ. We talked about that. A client may have 10 of those, which could be applicable. And there could be five that really move the needle for that client. And we will stack rank and prioritize those based on the value that can be added. And for the ones that aren't going to move the needle and, you know, aren't really yeah. game changing, we shouldn't spend time there. We can do that stuff later. We should really focus on the one or two or three strategies that have the most meaningful impact for the client. And those will vary each time. But often it's not one solution. It's three, five, seven together in different ways yeah. that either solve the problem or solve the problem and mitigate risks that those solutions created, uh, something like that. So there's always different combinations of solutions that are needed. I don't think any two solutions have ever looked the same that I'm in any case that I've worked on, to be honest. So I think it's always customized to what's going on for the client, what's important for them, and what their you know time frame and motivations are. I think you hit a point there on the customization. As a buzzword, people say that. In a practical sense, do they really do it? 
I don't know. I know we do. Yeah. I can't speak for everybody else. Yeah. I know that we spend a lot of time on it and we we care. Yep. Every case is unique. We teach teach every or treat everyone like it's uh its own and we come up with the best solutions we can for that. And we so clean up some low hanging fruit as well. Oh yeah. All the time. Like yeah. before we even get to the meeting, we gotta clean up something registration wise beneficiary wise that's that balance sheet optimization stuff i was talking about earlier there's just the more complex your estate is the more errors you know sometimes trust um, trusts haven't been funded right you know beneficiaries aren't updated Uh, there's just all kinds of stuff that can go wrong you got life insurance inside the estate you know all kinds of different things so well in the essence i think we hit our point here today on what we're looking to achieve with clients and how we go about it any parting thoughts here, Sean? No, I think if this is interesting to you and you're still listening, then uh, you know, give us a call. There's a lot that we can do. We love looking at unique one-off kind of circumstances and situations. And if there's problems that others haven't been able to solve, we might be able to offer you a solution. So uh, give us a ring if that's uh, of interest to you, and we'd love to see if we can help. Wendy, you got any questions for us? I don't have any questions. You answered them all perfectly. Well... <laughs> That's a subjective answer. <laughs> if you said it, Wendy. You if said you it. said it. Uh, okay. With that, thank you, Kyle. And thank you, Sean. We appreciate you being here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. And thank you for listening. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Centura Wealth Advisory. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Centura Wealth Advisory, Centura, is an SEC-registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in San Diego, California. Centura and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration and notice filing requirements imposed on SEC-registered investment advisors, in which Centura maintains clients. Centura may only transact business in those states in which it is notice filed or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from notice filing requirements. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Tax relief varies based on client circumstances and all clients do not achieve the same results. 